You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello, and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And the topic of the podcast today is how to live in the light. And we're going to do quite a deep dive today. I was listening to a Buddhist monk speaking about how to deal with toxic people. And he told the story about how a man came up to the Buddha ranting and raving and very angry And the Buddha just sat there with a smile on his face and said nothing. When the raging man finally let out all of his rage, the Buddha asked him if he ever had visitors to his house. And the man said yes, he had many visitors to his house. And the Buddha asked him if he served his visitors food and drink when they came to visit. And the man said, yes, I serve them food and drink. And the Buddha then asked, what would this man do if the visitors refused what he offered them? And the man said, well, I would be left with it. So I would eat it myself. And the Buddha went on to tell the man how he came to him with rage and angry words, and the Buddha refused it. Therefore, the man is left with it. He had to eat his own words, so to speak. And the message of the story is, when someone comes at you with angry words, you must do your best to not accept that anger. The monk tells us to stay calm and don't rise to the anger that we're being fed. Don't absorb it. Don't take it in. Stay in a place of loving kindness. When we meet anger with anger, we're only fueling the fire. And we're giving the toxic person what they want, which is to inflame us, to hurt us, to make us angry. If we refuse to react, we're not giving the toxic person what they want. Now, in my last podcast, I talked about good and evil in recognition that evil is real. It exists. But what do we do about it when it comes into our world or worse yet, when it's always been in our world? The thing about good and evil is that we have the seeds of both within us. We have to choose. We have to choose how we're going to respond to evil, which is the toxicity in the world. Are we going to feed it by giving it our energy or will we deny it food? What about that negative, toxic voice inside of us that rears its ugly head every now and then, telling us that we're worthless, that we're never going to amount to anything, that we're ugly, that we're unlovable, and that we're a failure in life? Do we feed 
that toxic voice within us? No, of course not. And the same rule applies. Even if that toxicity seems to be coming from within us, it's really not ours. Unless you own it, unless you make it yours. We all have access to this collective consciousness. And the inner voice may be the voice of your nemesis, those who have conditioned you to believe that these things are true about you. So you must also reject that voice, even if it seems to be coming from within, or especially if it seems to be coming from within. The way we achieve great, greater self-love and holiness, which is purity of spirit, is to feed only the love and starve the enemy, which is the voice of darkness. It doesn't matter if that voice of darkness is coming from outside of you or within you. It's still a voice that must not be fed. Personally, I've not been very good at this, especially in my past. I can go back and remember so many toxic situations where I was angered to the point of reaction. I never realized how my reaction was food for the one provoking me. That person or group of people took pleasure in my reaction because I had downgraded myself to be at their level rather than holding the higher place, the place of God, the place of love and kindness. I spiraled down to the place of hatred and anger. And who did this serve? Well, it didn't serve me. It didn't serve the light. It served only the darkness. I've taught for decades that we need to honor all of our emotions, including our anger. But there's a difference between honoring our anger and expressing it outwardly to those who are fueling it. We need to recognize that our anger expressed outwardly fuels the one provoking us. It feeds them. What we need to remember is that if we can practice the art of non-reaction, we create an environment where the toxic people in our lives are left eating their own words and actions. If we don't take it on, if we don't absorb it, they are left with it. I hear the same story over and over from my clients who've come out of toxic relationships with narcissists. The story is that the narcissist says and does horrible things to them, provoking them to rage, and they react to the narcissist by exploding and expressing their own rage. The narcissist then calls them crazy. Because the narcissist cannot see his own actions or her own actions. They can only see how you are reacting to them. You are the mirror. So the focus will always be on your reaction. And that is why the key is not to react. Okay, so I know this sounds so much easier said than done. It's different in theory than in practice, but we do need to practice, right? 
We only grow in the light by practicing staying in the light, regardless of what darkness throws our way. Perhaps this is what Jesus meant when he said, turn the other cheek, is don't react. The toxic person is picking a fight, wanting you to engage in the fight, the argument, the anger, and the rage. And this is how they offload their own rage. If you, like me, have a history of being mistreated by people, you may feel very angry inside. You may feel angry at the injustice of how you've been treated, and this is completely understandable. You have the right to feel angry at how you've been treated, but you also have to understand that to live in our anger is to be eaten alive from within. There's a difference between the healthy expression of our anger and holding it inside of us to let it stew and eat us up from the inside. When this happens, we're easily provoked. We're living on the edge. And that anger runs our lives and it also attracts to us more anger into our lives. So the key is to acknowledge our anger and the injustice and realize that it's showing us something very important. Our anger is showing us where our boundaries are. But using our anger as a boundary, although it may be necessary in the beginning, it's not healthy in the long run. Because when we use our anger as a boundary, we only erect boundaries out of anger. We don't learn how to set healthy boundaries. Our boundaries are what show us this is not okay. This is unacceptable. I don't like how this feels. I don't want this. It's important to express the anger accumulated from the past in a safe environment where you will be heard and accepted in your anger. But the key is to let it out. Get it out of your body so that you can find peace. Once you find peace, it's important to hold on to it by not allowing your boundaries to be breached by toxic people, not letting them in. Like the Buddha who did not allow the angry words of a toxic individual to gain entrance into his peaceful inner realm, we need to practice guarding the gates of our inner realm. We need to practice observing the hostility in others, but not absorbing it, not taking it in. Remember, this is a practice. You may not master this right away, and that's okay. Like any good training, it takes time and focus. This needs to be your goal. This needs to be your intention. On a mental level, we can't believe that Everything our enemy says about us is true. Remember that toxic people project what they are feeling onto you. They are projecting what they believe about themselves onto you. It isn't about you. It's about what's going on inside of them. But when you have corrupt beliefs about yourself, corruption can enter you. 
And this is why we must practice self-love and confronting the self-loathing inside of us. We must confront all the lies that tell us that we have no worth or value and see these lies for what they are. They're programs that have been installed through the projections of others. These lies are deceptions coming from the darkness to deceive you into believing that you are dark. Because when you believe you are dark, worthless, and unlovable, you can be controlled and manipulated by evil, which is the antichrist or anti-life. Evil spelled backwards is live, L-I-V-E. Anti-life is against life. Evil pulls us into a place where there is no life. There is only darkness, pain, misery, and loneliness. And if you feel this is your life right now, it's time to turn to the light of good or God to heal you and raise you up. We're only ever in darkness because we're pulled down into the illusion of darkness On the spiritual path, we go through the dark night of the soul, which is the death of false beliefs, the death of the illusion, and the death of the ego. We have to allow these things to die in order to rise up into the light of awareness, into the light of self-love, and embrace love as our path. I choose to believe God is good. Now, in some metaphysical teachings, we learn that God is everything, both darkness and light. And I've struggled with this because I grew up believing God was the one force that was on my side that was for me. And the darkness I've done battle with most of my life was not for me in any way. It was against me. It didn't want me to live or thrive or be in love. In the movie Star Wars, there is a force in the universe, and that force can be used for both good and evil. There is a dark side of the force and a light side of the force. And we tend to polarize one way or another based on our choices, because we live in a world of duality. God is also polarized into a god of light and a god of darkness. The god of light is the god of good, the god of love, the god of life. And the god of darkness, which we refer to as Satan or the devil, is the god of evil, the god of darkness, the god of hatred and death. And this is why evil is portrayed by a skull and crossbones to represent death. But it's not death of the body. It's death of the soul. All bodies will pass away from this world, but the soul will live on unless you have sold your soul to the devil, so to speak. We sell our soul to the devil when we enjoy the power that we get from hurting others. When we enjoy seeing others suffer, 
we're doing the work of the darkness. And when one allows himself to be consumed by darkness, taken over and influenced to do evil deeds, that person has been disconnected from the source of light within, the intuition, the inner knowing, and follows instead the influence of darkness. The world that we create within is the world we take with us, which is why it's so important to create a world of love, kindness, generosity, and goodness of the spirit. Regardless of what shadow characters show up in your life, sent by darkness, you can continue to choose love, to choose light, to choose not to give your life force energy to feed the dark side of the force. Use your life force energy for good in the world, for helping others who truly value and appreciate your help, but also to help yourself to live, to grow, and to thrive. When I dive deeply into my own journey and ask the question, how did I allow the darkness to take so much of my precious energy over the years? I have to admit to my own blindness. I didn't want to see it, so I just closed my eyes. I wanted to believe that people were basically good and wanted to heal and grow, especially when they expressed a desire to heal and grow. And my life was dedicated to helping people heal and grow. I didn't realize that darkness used my good intentions and my my desire to be loved and accepted by people to infiltrate me, to get in. I had not fully mastered the art of non-reaction and still reacted to the horrific and painful treatment coming from others. I responded wondering why they were treating me this way. What did I do? Why were they blaming me? What was so wrong with me that I would be attacked in this way? I didn't fully register when in the middle of a manipulation that it wasn't about me. It had nothing to do with me. These toxic people who were being used by the darkness, attempted to use me to project all of their rage and anger and hatred onto. And I was still absorbing it because I just didn't know any better. I'd been attacked since I was a child, and I believed this was just how it worked. People attacked me because they found something wrong with me, which led me to feel like I had to prove myself as worthy, as good, as deserving of love. But we can't prove ourselves to darkness. Its goal is not to love or to care or to heal and grow. The goal of darkness is to destroy the goodness within us, to destroy our self-worth so that we can be used as a power supply. So why did darkness keep sending people to hurt me? Well, the short answer is because I was still being hurt. I was still woundable, so to speak. I was soft-hearted and felt the sting of the betrayal when someone I believe loved me, cared about me, and had my back didn't care about me at all. I was still questioning my worth and value as a human being. 
I was still doubting myself. And as long as I was doubting myself, darkness had a road in. It could keep me doubting and even cause that self-doubt to grow stronger and stronger until I was no longer aligned with the light, with love, and with goodness. You see often when people are hurt so badly, are torn down and abused, that they get really angry and even hateful and mistrustful of others. They become bitter and resentful. And as a result, they give up their integrity, their inner voice or intuition, and even their inspiration and just become reactive, reacting to everything that life throws their way. When we stay connected to our integrity, our inspiration, and intuition, we stay connected to the light, and the darkness doesn't have power in our lives. It can't rip us apart or take us down. We learn to recognize the demonic influences in others and turn away from these people. We learn to become non-reactive to the rage and anger others are directing towards us. We learn to become unresponsive to people trying to get us to respond to their craziness. When we can do this, we become immune. Our inner immune systems become strong and we can ward off any dis-ease coming from others. Although I had become strong in my life and I was aligned with the energy of love and compassion, I still had a few holes in my armor. And these holes allowed the darkness to get in. As a result, I was hurt. I was disappointed. But I still couldn't be taken down. Instead, I went towards greater self-understanding an understanding of the way darkness seduces us into the web of confusion, illusion, and insanity. Instead, I became stronger and more self-loving. Instead, I went to work to heal those holes in my armor so they couldn't be used to get into my weaknesses and vulnerabilities. My armor became stronger, more foolproof, literally. It makes me think about the time I had mice in my house. It wasn't a matter of just getting rid of the mice. I had to look for every possible way they were getting in. I had to seal off their entrances into my home and create a space that was mouse-proof. Although they may eventually find a way to nibble through my walls, I know what I need to do to remove them. Find out where they nibbled through, and reinforce it. I also had to keep all the food sealed away so they couldn't, couldn't get to it. Feeding the mice is the worst thing you can do when trying to resolve a mouse problem. I had to put all my perishable food in thick plastic tubs with tight-fitting lids. This way, there would be no reward for coming into my space. Second, I had to set traps to get rid of the mice that had made their way through. And third, seal off their entrance into my home. I did a few other things like put peppermint oil in my diffuser because mice hate the scent of peppermint. 
I also put peppermint-soaked cotton balls near the entrances I was sealing off. And there was one mouse still in the house that I just couldn't get rid of. And one night I heard rustling. It's like in the middle of the night, I woke up to this rustling sound. And I was so sensitive to the sound of mice in my house that I immediately jumped up and followed the sound and found out that that mouse had crawled into my garbage pail and couldn't get back out. It had conveniently disposed of itself. Now, the first thing that happened for me is I felt this strong compassion for this beady-eyed little creature that had been causing me so much grief over the past month. I wanted to save its life, but it was the middle of the night. I was tired. I wasn't going to just turn it loose outside where I risk it finding its way back in. So what I did is I just took out the trash and put it in the garbage bin. That would be picked up in a couple days. I knew it couldn't crawl out of the large garbage can outside. I gave it a chance to escape, but that chance would have to be in the garbage pile at the dump and not my home. Getting rid of evil is kind of like getting rid of mice. They get in any way they can, looking for food and warmth, and they're hard to get rid of. The first thing we have to do is don't feed the darkness. Seal up the food. Then remove the predator and block the entrance. We have to continually reinforce the entrance and keep those boundaries in place. And we can't be concerned with repelling them with a scent they don't like. We do what we can to keep them away. Now, one last thing I want to talk about is that people, human beings, in and of themselves, are not evil. They're just weak. And where there is weakness, evil finds its way in. Evil goes after those who are seeking after power or who feel so powerless that they are ripe for the seduction, which may come in the form of a devil wearing a nice suit. So we need to learn to love the person and dislike the behavior, the evil, the dark energy that possesses them. We can't save them or fix them. They're still occupied by this darkness and still doing its bidding and are a danger to us. So we must dispose of them from our lives, but we forgive them because they know not what they do. They're blind, unconscious, and unable to see the error of their ways on the most part. The mistake most of us make is giving them another chance to be good when all they have done is make us suffer, when all they have done is destroy. We don't accept their destructive ways. We put too much hope into them. And we're the ones who suffer as a result. The only thing we can do is pray for their soul that they may one day find the light and be saved from their dark reality. But we cannot be attached to their being saved from darkness. This isn't our work to do. It belongs to God, the God of love. 
In the battle of good and evil, there is a battle for the souls of mankind. Will our souls be won over by good or by evil? And the answer is in our choices. We choose to align with good or we choose to align with evil through our actions and behavior. If we choose to align with good, with God, we must work hard to heal and purify ourselves. We must confront our addictions and our weaknesses. We must align with others who are doing the work of good in the world. We must use discernment and learn to recognize predators in a human suit. We must pick ourselves up when we fall and get our lives back on track because we will fall. That's part of the process. We must forgive ourselves and others, letting go of the burdens of hatred, anger, and resentment. We must learn to observe the hurtful actions of others and not absorb them and make them about us. We are in a spiritual warfare. And it's time we wake up and recognize what is playing out on the stage of life. I believe good will win. I believe this with all my heart. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And it is our mission to heal ourselves by aligning with love and finding a way to enjoy our life in a way that does not do harm to others. When we have a happy, harmonious, thriving planet filled with kind-hearted, good, and loving people who are feeding and nurturing each other in a beautiful way, we know we've returned to the Garden of Eden, where evil no longer has a way in. If it tries to come in, it will get absorbed by the light. I want to leave you with an interesting story. When I was listening to this Buddhist monk, I found a video where he talked about how to deal with a narcissist. And of course, I was curious as to how he would address this question. So I watched the video. And the video ended up really triggering me. And this is why. He said that narcissists need a lot of attention and have dealt with a lot of rejection. So when we've got a narcissist in our life, we need to give them a lot of attention and approach them with loving kindness, regardless of their actions. We need to be mindful not to reject them, to continue to offer compassion and empathy to them. And as a result, they'll end up liking us. Now, there was a lot more to his message, but this is the gist of it. Now, in all my work with victims of narcissistic abuse, I knew firsthand that many of my clients did exactly this. And the more loving, caring, compassionate, and empathetic they were, the more they were walked on and taken advantage of. It's nice to believe that loving kindness, compassion, and empathy is the key to making every relationship successful, but not when dealing with darkness. This Buddhist was of the mindset that narcissists just need someone to love them unconditionally. And how many of you have tried this? I know I have. So the next thing I did was go to the comments to see what the listeners had to say. And there were 
thousands of comments. And almost all of them said to the nice Buddhist, I respectfully disagree with you. You cannot offer a narcissist loving kindness, compassion, and empathy and expect he or she will turn around and become a loving person. Another thing I realized in reading the comments is just how rampant narcissist has run on our planet. There were literally thousands of people who were following this Buddhist monk trying to better themselves and learn more about being a compassionate and loving person. This wasn't a channel on narcissism or abuse. It was a spiritual channel. And yet thousands of people who commented were very familiar with narcissism. They knew what it was. They experienced it personally. And many commented that this was very dangerous advice to give. And the monk needed to become more educated on the topic of narcissism before he talked about it. And the reason it was considered dangerous is that people in the grips of a narcissist may keep trying harder and harder to be loving and compassionate, even though their very soul is being destroyed. I did this. I believed that love was powerful enough to heal all wounds, and I learned a very powerful lesson as a result. The only thing I can say about this particular Buddhist monk is perhaps he was celibate and he came from a loving family or environment. Perhaps he had no personal experience with a narcissist other than superficial And of course, if you have a surface level superficial relationship with a narcissist, you're not a primary or secondary source of supply. You're an external source of supply. So the narcissist will suck up all that love and compassion as food and treat that person kindly. Because most narcissists will have a kind face that they show the world. They can present as good, kind, and caring people. Another possibility about this monk is that he was so evolved in not allowing the energy of others to invade him, and he didn't absorb what was thrown at him, so he remained unaffected by narcissistic people who were mean and nasty to him. Perhaps because he didn't absorb the darkness being thrown at him and continued to hold a space of love and kindness, the narcissist didn't get what he or she wanted, and so they just stopped trying with that individual. The monk also didn't want or need anything from the narcissist. So he didn't try to get his own needs met through this individual, and I think this is really big. If we're involved with a narcissist and this is a family member or a significant other, we may be trying to get our needs met still from that person. We may be trying to receive validation and approval from the narcissist. And because we want something from that person, it puts us at a disadvantage. But if we're unattached, as the Buddhist teaches, we're not looking to receive anything from that person. And when you're not looking to receive anything from somebody, when you're not looking to get a need met from somebody, that changes the dynamic completely. So I feel there's a really powerful lesson delivered from this Buddhist monk. Be unattached. Be kind, caring, and compassionate. Don't absorb what is being thrown at you. 
And don't attempt to get your needs met from another person, but go directly to God or source. I know for myself, I will be practicing these things because I realized in my past, my weakness was in wanting something from someone. I was looking to others for a source of love, validation, and approval, which is why I got hurt so badly. I was attached to outcomes, which meant I was invested in the relationship and I wanted it to work out. I met anger with anger and rejection, rejecting the person who was hurting me. And I took on the projections that were thrown at me, believing I was somehow flawed and unworthy. So moving forward, I need to become more like the Buddha, more like the Christ, and realize my greatest enemy has always been lurking on the inside, causing me to believe I was somehow unworthy of love. And that chapter's over. I've given up seeking for love, validation, and approval outside of myself. Although sometimes I still feel the need. I've given up making other people's behavior about me, although sometimes I'm still tempted. And I'm working to replace the anger I felt towards those who have hurt and betrayed me with love, compassion, and forgiveness, because this is the energy I wish to carry inside of me. This is the energy of light, and this is the work of the light warrior. I hope that this has been helpful for you. I really thank you for being with me today and listening. And if you would like to learn more about my work or get coaching, counseling, hypnotherapy, you can go to my websites, NarcissismFree.com and PathBackToSelf.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in the next podcast.